this year we started off bad. Our, our call volume started off 20% down first quarter, um, but we managed to we managed to finish first quarter up by 51%. Just like in basketball or any other sport, if you got one really good player, that player's not going to want to stay around on that team if not the whole team's not winning. And we built this motto of, you know, win as a team, lose as a team, right? There's not just one person we're going to ride the coattails off in the summer. We're going to build a bunch of machines who achieve their goals. And when they achieve their goals, I, I achieve mine by default. Welcome to the Waste No Day podcast, a podcast specifically for and about the home services industry as it relates to plumbing, heating, air conditioning, and electrical. More than a podcast, Waste No Day is a credo, a determination, a mindset. It is a never-ending discipline. It is a refuse-to-lose pursuit. It is a wake-up call every morning to waste no day. Now here's your hosts, Brian Burton and Nate Minnick. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Waste No Day podcast, the award-winning Waste No Day podcast. Your hosts, Nate and Brian, hanging out with you again. And this time, we're inviting on to the show John Wenman of Wenbrick Services, based out of Maryland. And we're really excited to have a great conversation with him about creating opportunity from nothing and going from zero to $6 million this year in just a few short years after starting his business at the beginning of COVID. It's going to be a great conversation and very productive for a lot of uh, the smaller entities out there that are looking to grow. And for those of you in the truck, we are hoping to get into some great uh, what to do in the field and how to understand what that looks like from a customer experience side as well. Before we do that, Brian and I are going to spend some time breaking down the ideas for ourselves, and we're going to turn to Brian for our quote. A problem well stated is a problem half solved. Charles Kettering. I just used that quote the other day, Brian. In a meeting. Yeah. In a training. I sure did. I was in the audience, buddy. Yes. I didn't, I thought that was our, uh, I thought that was a Brian White quote, our uh, EOS implementer. I think to be fair, I think he did give credit where credit was due. He often does. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he, yeah, he's, I do. I'm the same. Like if I heard a quote from somebody else, I'm not trying to change one word and make it my own. Although a lot of, a lot of people doing that these days. I like to call them out. Speaking of calling out. John Winman, hard, hard worker. I mean, just a grinder, man. He's like uh, building a very successful business with very high margins. I don't want to give his business away, but um, we talk about his business often, and he's killing it, man. He's crushing from zero in residential service to probably going to do $6 million this year at, at very good, healthy margins. And he likes to call out the uh, fake gurus and the uh, people with – zero successful business experience who know everything in the world about your business and give like when it's good advice and, and some of the groups we're in together and, and online, there's no, there's no challenge there, but oftentimes it's this off the top of my head advice that, you know, from being part of this business for all these years. And I know from, you know, selling in the field for so many years and then now being in uh, leadership in this business for all these years is not real. Like it would not work in the field. Mm, and yeah. we're just dealing with some of that today where for the most part, I don't like to challenge people online and get into spats online. Like I, that just seems like kid stuff to me, you know, like if we're going to have it out, let's just have it out in person. And um, 
where we can see each other's tone and, and I don't, I don't, that social media thing just, it creeps me out a little bit. Like going back and forth with somebody on that, it's just, I, I feel like I don't know where they're really coming from. But when you're telling hundreds to thousands of people the wrong way to run a business, to sell something, to treat a customer, to, to uh, restructure their pricing, to um, any number of things in the trades. And, and I know for a fact it's wrong. I feel, I feel it's pretty necessary to call that out. And John does it pretty aggressively. And, you know, that's kind of a thankless job because it'll get you kicked out of certain groups and it'll get, get you shunned and muted. Um, but it bothers him to see that, you know, he just worked his butt off to trial and error his way into figuring out how something's done. And then when someone gives people the wrong advice, man, they, you know, young, struggling entrepreneurs and managers and VPs and, and selling techs will throw themselves wholeheartedly into the advice someone gives. And it can set them back, you know, in the tech world, a lot of time in both worlds, a whole lot of money, either money that you're throwing at it as a manager or business owner or money you're not making because you're heading in the wrong direction as a as either of the two or a technician. So I really appreciate that about John. He's not afraid to get himself laid out for calling people out for giving horrible advice. And the great thing about John as well is that he is putting these things into practice. Like he's not speaking out of just theory. He's actually doing things, sometimes right, sometimes wrong. And he's learning both directions. Yeah, and we're at we're at kind of different ends of the spectrum where he's He's uh, year three and uh, pushing for six million this year. We're you and I have been in management here for nine years. Yeah, something like that. Going on a decade, and we're we're uh, pushing for forty million this year. Um, and it, it's we have a lot of theoretical talk on this show about getting you know getting my business to that million mark or getting to that three million mark with you know legit people who who did that with businesses, but some of them 15, 20 years ago, you know, or in our case, you know, a decade ago. And it is, it is theoretical now when we talk about what we would quote, what we quote unquote would do starting from scratch or starting from 3 million or whatever. And that was, I mean, when we got to this business, it was 6 million. That was a long time ago. Right. So even telling someone how to get to 10 million is theoretical in our world because that was a few years ago, but John is doing it right now. And I talk to him at least once a week, um, just kind of gaming up with him. And we go back and forth and, and plans and strategies and, you know, it's all, it's all good. Like doesn't, doesn't matter what level you're at. If someone has an idea on training techs to be more efficient, to be more client focused, to get, you know, a higher conversion rate, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing by uh, hearing them out and running that idea back and forth before you hand it to a tech to run with. Right. And there's never, like you said, Brian, there's never a, uh, there's never time to stop learning and it would be to our disservice to say, Oh, well, we can't learn anything from a $6 million business because there's always things to be learned. And I hope that's something that this podcast is doing. I mean, whether you're, you know, a veteran of the trade or a newbie or somewhere in between, whether you're an owner or a technician, We hear from so many people that say they pick up little nuggets here and there, and that's what makes the difference. I mean, listen, we go through 60, 70, 80-minute podcasts every week, 
And it's not to say that all 80 minutes of that is going to be solid gold, but there's going to be things in there that are going to be revolutionary to your business that are going to open your eyes about different perspectives and different ideas. And that might be a big difference maker in your specific organization. And that's what we're hoping for. I mean, nobody, I surely don't think that you're going to just, you know, play this podcast for your entire team and boom, everything's going to change. No, you're going to have to do the work. You're going to have to pull and extract the important things that matter to you and what your current situation is out and then you're going to have to figure out how to solve and implement them into your specific business. And that's really the hard work. That's what you're doing, whether it's a business or whether it's your, t- your truck and your, your, uh, your personal van, your personal career that you're dealing with. It's for you to do the work of implementation. We'll, we'll serve here as the, uh, you know, the place of providing ideas or consultation or, or advice or theory or whatever it may be, but you And you alone are the only one that can actually take that and make it into an action. And that's where the difference really lies. And John Wenman, who we're going to have on here in just a minute, he's becoming an expert at that implementation piece. Well, it's time now for us to turn to our review of the week. Brian, who are we highlighting today? Folly 6 is the name. Folly 6. Waste no day. Five stars. I'm a new listener to the podcast. However, the content I am finding is very strong. I highly suggest if you are in the trades, you spend time listening to this show. As the regional director of sales for a $100 million plus HVAC plumbing and electrical company, regional director of sales for a hundred million. Assistant to the regional director? No, I think he's the the regional director, bro. Okay. Uh, That is always on the go. That is always moving the goalposts. I find podcasts like these help me keep my mindset right. I also enjoy listening to the journeys we are all on together and love that I am able to continue to find ways through listening to others' experiences to be successful. It's the help that a podcast like this provides. I keep sending the content to my teams, so please keep it up. Thank you, Shane Belzer. All right, Shane. Appreciate that, man. $100 million? It's like two and a half times. Can we get... All right, Shane, hit me up, buddy. Let's get you on the let's get you on the show. Let's chop it up. We'll have a conversation and uh, see about maybe doing an episode. Yes, the assistant to the assistant regional director of of things. Yeah, I like it's uh, you know it's, it's it's that's pretty much my position, right? Right. A VP of sales, regional director of sales, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Shane, have your people call our people. Yeah, Shane, <laughs> have your guys get in touch with my guys. All right, that being Nate. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, don't do that. Well, Brian, uh, before we get into the interview here, we did want to pause for just a quick minute and say our thanks and gratitude for all those who uh, have fallen for defense of our country. We are grateful for everything that Memorial Day stands for and the freedom and the uh, protection that people have provided to this country for us to even sit here and do things like this. And for all of you working today on Memorial Day, we're grateful for you as well, as this is kind of the unofficial kickoff to summer. So thank you for all that you are doing in the field. And thank you for all those who have fallen and are continuing to serve in the armed services across the world and for our country. And for that, we're going to read another review, and that would be a review of the fallen soldiers by the late General George S. Patton. It is foolish and wrong to mourn the men who died. Rather, we should thank God that such men lived. General Patton. Yes, Brian, we are very grateful for that. And uh, we're going to shift gears here now. And we're going to put John Wenman in your passenger seat. 
Wenbrook Services was founded in 2015 by John and Brooke Wenman. John wanted the name of the company to represent the most important aspect of his life. That would be his wife, Brooke. Today, Wenbrook team has expanded to include all three service trades, electrical, plumbing, and HVAC. An electrician by trade himself, John Wenman, uh, has built his business in Maryland and continues to do that. He grew up poor without a steady dad, often having to sacrifice and work hard to help his family and make ends meet. And he swore he would never be that kind of husband and father. He met Brooke and they fell in love. They have four children and are working hard to create the opportunity and dream for them as well as for themselves in this trade world. Before we put John in your passenger seat, we wanted to sample one of his commercials that our friends over at Mosier Media and Wizard of Ads, Charlie Mosier, are doing. They're doing great work for John and his team. And it will serve as a little bit of a discussion point for the rest of our conversation with John. But how often do people spell it wrong? My name? Yeah. Forget the E a lot. Must drive you nuts. No big deal. It is. Names are important. Especially on the internet. Gotta spell Winbrook with an E. I'd lose it if people got my name wrong. Easy for you to say. Here's how I remember it. The E stands for excellent. Excellent service. Most excellent is wife. That's not even a word. I'm John. And I'm Brooke. From Winbrook Services. Where the E stands for... Ah, what a great commercial and what a great way to start this off. Welcome to the show, John. Well, thank you guys for having me. I'm listening to you guys all the time. So I don't welcome. know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah, welcome, buddy. You do more than listen to us all the time. Long time <laughs> listener, first time guest. He talks to me all the time. We're going back and forth like every week. And this, John Kanai Wenman. Well, on behalf it. of all of us, John, we apologize for all the things that Brian is saying. <laughs> What do you, what do you call that thing that we call uh, the apostrophe here on the mainland mainland? <laughs> it's it's called a okino. Okino. Okay. Yeah. Well, there's a good segue if I ever heard one, John. So uh, let's hear about your story, man. Where you hail from, and uh, why do you not call it an apostrophe? So I am from Hawaii, uh, born and raised there. I uh, got into the electrical trade um, right out of high school and uh, went into commercial solar. So I'd, I'd done everything from open houses to commercial high rises. And then my niche was commercial solar. And I traveled all over the U S installing utility scale, um, solar power plants. And that's how I got to Maryland. I was managing a portfolio out here and I met my wife and we decided to, uh, that the travel life wasn't good to, uh, to be able to do with a family. So we decided I quit my job and, Got my master's, and we decided to start a company out here. So, born and raised in Hawaii, beautiful, beautiful island, and you're like, let's move to Maryland. That's that sounds great, great idea. Yeah, what happened, buddy? People, people do some crazy things for love, right? You find <laughs> oh, the right okay. woman. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you could move back to Hawaii with the right woman. I mean, it, it doesn't matter where you find them; you could still move to Hawaii. Trust me that she's been trying to talk me into that for like the last 10 years, but the prices and uh, the cost of living is so high out there. Sometimes it's too hard, mm. you know? Yeah, I have heard about that. What's a gallon of milk run in Hawaii these days? I don't know. I'm, I'm I guess pushing $6. I hadn't had to buy one there in a long time. Yeah. Yikes. All right. So you're based out of Maryland and a lot of experience in the solar and commercial worlds. And what are you doing now? So we're doing um, 99% service now. So we, we transitioned. Uh, we started the company in 2016, and we were 100% commercial. 
um, all the way up until COVID. So we were running 100% commercial. We were scaling. The problem is, is we had a hard time keeping up with receivables. So we on, on paper, we were making a, a bunch of money. and But in the bank account, it uh, it hurt us. Sometimes, you know, in the commercial world, you don't get paid for 60, 90, 120 days. So it was rough to be able to carry that, to be able to sustain a business doing that. Absolutely. And, and we've heard of, you know, some, some contractors will even hold back 10% of the payment, you know, for a full year to cover themselves on warranties and use of subs and things like that. That's, that's a tough world to live in. Yeah. Retention is something unreal. Sometimes they, they've, they've lowered it a little bit. Sometimes it's 5%, right? But, but most of the times, yeah, 10% is not unheard of. Yeah. And that's gotta be tough. So in COVID, uh, you decided to make that change. Um, was that precipitated by the fact that, you know, the commercial world was drying up? Obviously it had a financial implication of what that was looking like. And maybe you were just looking for cash flow to carry yourself through what would eventually be three years of, you know, uncertainty. Uh, but was there anything besides the financial aspect of it that kind of made you say, Hey, maybe we should step into the house because that, that's a big swing. And, uh, that's something a lot of people would be hesitant about doing, especially when you have commercial uh, feel going on and all of your money and energy has been spent in that direction. Yeah. So it was, um, financially it was the commercial world is, is pretty ups and down, but it's been steady. We've built some great relationships. Most of it, uh, most of the reason to make the transition was cash flow. So we were driving, we were driving back from Tennessee, my wife and family, and we were talking about it and she was like, we need to make a change because cash flow is hurting us. I said, I know, I just don't know what to do. And then we talked about service and I said, I don't even know what to do. I've never run a service call before. I had never stepped foot in the house, hadn't done anything. And, you know, I'm going to have to do some research and figure that out. And, uh, I went back home and I started emailing and doing some researching and emailing people and, um, trying to get somebody to, to try and help us and figure out who to talk to and, so I just went and found the, you know, the five biggest companies in the nation and started emailing them to see if we could come out there and look at it. And, uh, Wyatt was the first one to respond. He said, yeah, you can come whenever. Right. So I got on a plane and went out there at the, uh, right, right before COVID, um, and, uh, took in as much as I could and then came back and started reaching out to some contacts and just started trying to build the service. Well, that's incredible. And, and what company was that that you visited? Any hour. Nice. Fantastic. Based out of Utah, right? Orium, Utah. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Cool. And uh, what, like when you made that visit and, and kind of started getting this feedback, like what was the moment or what, what really was the light bulb that went off that you said, okay, this is what we're doing now? No, well, the light bulb was, it was crazy to see in the construction world, nobody's ever at the office, right? Everybody's always at the job. Everybody's always working. People were, that place was full of people, right? And nobody was like, hey, what are you getting done? What are you doing, right? They knew what the goal, everybody knew what the goal was. So nobody was worried about, you know, oh my God, if this guy's sitting here, he's costing me money, right? So I that culture and that, that fix of everybody was happy to be there, they were, the camaraderie they had, it was just something that you don't see in the commercial world. Mm, at the actual office itself. Yeah, at the office or just in general, right? So you you know most commercial companies, the field guys never come to the office, right? They're always 
straight to the job, right? Straight home. Um, that was kind of good about, that's the good thing about commercial work is you don't have to worry about where they're going to go for the next month or two months or three months. Right. Right. You always had a job. They were always there. They, the guys knew where they were going every day. Right. The only hard part was, was managing costs, labor, right. Tracking labor hours and then getting paid. So now you have service and then, you know, our biggest stressor is how many times the phone's going to ring today. Right. So there's two things that, you know, keep you up at night. It's just, you know, a different beast. For sure. But I can't imagine the camaraderie by itself, even observing it and saying like, hey, this is really cool, is enough justification for me to say, let's switch our entire platform and start working with homeowners, uh, you know, because there's a lot of headaches that come with that. Yeah. And you know what's different is if you look at the construction world, there is no transparency there, right? If you walked in to a commercial site and you just asked, Hey, what do you think the company's going to do this year? Where's the company going? You'll get 50 different answers, right? Um, there, the, everybody knew what the goal was. Everybody was working towards it, and everybody knew where the bus was going. And that's something I had to to implement here is people are more loyal, and they, and they are more dedicated when they know exactly what's going on and what we're trying to accomplish together. Yeah, but that's that's actually pretty consistent in residential as well. You just happen to visit any hour (laughs) (laughs) and you could have visited like Wyatt's shop, uh, Goodrich's shop, Leland's shop, you know, Leland Smith and maybe like five or six other people uh, and gotten that or 95% of the trade and and gotten where no one has any idea what the numbers are and what, what goals are and stuff like that. That's just the trades in general. Well, there you go. Sometimes you got to be lucky instead of good, right? So maybe that was a. It's worked for me so far, buddy. Luck on my part. (laughs) So, John, you pull the trigger, and I imagine you have conversations with your wife, but what did that look like internally uh, for your employees? I mean, you know, a lot of these guys obviously were hired under the, the guise of being commercial. And, uh, you know, now you're making this transition. I'm sure that wasn't received well by everybody. Uh, so what did that look like in terms of moving from commercial to residential? Now you're 99% residential. Did you make that shift like in a day or did you transition over the course of years? No, I couldn't make it in a day cause I wouldn't have, you know, the cash flow to be able to do. It. I know cash flow still sucks, but I still needed revenue to be able to, you know, go to the bank and show them that, Hey, we're still profitable. We're just making that change. So, um, I always, you know, grew up in the electrical trade that, you know, you can't take a commercial guy and make them into a residential guy. They're just two different machines. So I kind of left the electrical, the commercial side B. And then we went and hired our first service deck, which was an electrician. He's still with us today. And we started, I just started sampling it. Well, I got into some groups and be like, hey, you need to do HVAC. You need to do that. So I hired, you know, two HVAC guys at the beginning of, um, 2020 and I didn't have a single call for him and, uh, I just paid them to sit right until we had a call. Uh, so the first year was, was rough. Um, we didn't really get it off the ground. They started us with this in the, the beginning of the year 2020 and we didn't really get it off the ground until June. And then we ended up doing 1.5, the last part of 2020 and just service. Wow. 
That's fantastic. And, and that, uh, so at that point you're a tri trade organization. Uh, I was, well, I was two trades. I didn't add plumbing until late 2021 when the, our members started asking for it. And I was kind of like, Hey, are we going to lose this membership? If we don't at least service our existing client base. Right. So I, I added, uh, plumbing was the last one to add and we're still trying to figure that out. Okay. Nice. So where are you at today? Uh, what is the name of your company? Where are you based out of and what are you doing right now? So our company is named Winbrook, right? So people call me Mr. Winbrook for some reason, right? So I love it when the guys go to the house and they say, Hey, yeah, I know Mr. Winbrook. Can I get a discount? <laughs> right. So, so, um, the wife, uh, the name is really, uh, named after my wife. Her name is Brooke and, uh, we are based in, uh, Maryland and we're, we're on pace to do oh, probably around six this year. Budget is built right right under six for this year uh, in service. And, and that's, that, that's strictly out of your service, your three service departments. Correct. And that is your third year in service business. Today, this is the start of the third year, right? So this, at the end of this year, will be three years. That's fantastic. Yep. And that's not awesome. only that, but starting in the middle, like, the beginning of COVID. I mean, you yeah. know, no, no harder time to start a business than when all that's going on. Yeah, it was, it was rough. It was heartbreaking. I, you know, I probably cried and threw up more times than I can count. Right. That's how you lost but, all uh, that weight, huh, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cheat went code. From, yeah. I lost 130 pounds because I threw up. Every it, was, it was vomit and tears. Sheesh. <laughs> yeah. I don't think Nate's, uh, John, has visited our shop before. And, uh, I don't think Nate has ever seen John before the weight loss. Have you? No, I, I got this, uh, svelte picture in my head of, you know, this bodybuilder walking through our shop, but that's, that's what I got. <laughs> yeah. He, he was a little bit heavier. If you watch some of it, and we definitely got to touch on the Wenbrook commercials because I, I just think they're, well, you know, I've, I've talked about it on this show before and posted it in the group, but I think the, uh, the wizard of ads did with your commercials is just magic. And there are some older ones that you can find where it's a little bit heavier, John. Brian, you're so politically correct. It, I always fat it, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> so it took me, I, I was turning 40 last year and uh, I said, I need to do something. Right. So it took me about, it took me about four months to lose 120 pounds. Four months. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. Well, you're going to have to go into that now, buddy. How'd you, how'd you do that? Do you still have two no, arms just, or what's going on? No, I just, I just, I just ate a whole lot better, worked out. Right. So it was just, it was more like anything in life, right? You can accomplish something if you're disciplined enough. It did wasn't you, easy, but. Did you have a background in working out? I did earlier in life, but you know, once you get into a business and you're, you're working, I hadn't worked out in a, in a while. So it was just, you know, my wife is a workout fanatic. You can tell by the videos that she's always in shape by the, the commercials. But yeah, for me, she was just like, Hey, we're going to eat this. I said, okay. So I just, you know, watch what I ate calories in versus calories out. And I was able to, you know, I was able to pull it off. Well, good for you, man. And not only the only thing that is, is working well for you, obviously getting to $6 million or anticipating that this year means that you're doing something right in the trades. And we want to spend a little bit of time with you discussing what that is because, you know, it, it's, it's not been an easy year in the trades in 2023. There's been a lot of upheaval in the financial world. There's been a lot of uh, weather 
uh, not cooperating and, and things like that. And it's not to say that's every part of the country, but there's definitely um, some ups and downs going on this year. And uh, yet you seem to be able to persist and not only just in one trade, but in all three now, which is really exciting. So let's talk about some of the exciting things that you think you're doing right now that are making the difference in terms of having a great year and that growth. Well, I, I had to, uh, I had to really dial in on the numbers, right? So, you know, I probably made every mistake that you could possibly make, right? As a electrician turned business owner, I didn't know, you know, squat about business. So I was the guy who made the mistakes of, I used my business checking account as a piggy bank, right? Didn't know how to read a balance sheet. All those things that compounded into, and my price right, right? So uh, I really focused on the last year and a half of dialing in the pricing, right? dialing in um, where we needed to be to make an ethical profit and then just portraying that to the guys and, and showing them and being transparent and say, this is where we got to be. This is where we're going to go. Um, let's get on board and do this. Um, we, we did some, this year we started off bad. Our, our call volume started off 20% down first quarter, um, but we managed to, we managed to finish first quarter up by 51%. Um, just by capitalizing on every call, right? I know I talked to Brian about double spiffing and getting somebody else in there, right? Multi-trade. Um, every opportunity was an opportunity to try and get somebody else in there to try and serve that customer at the highest level. So that's what we focused on the big part of this year is turning one call into three calls. Well, it's, t- it's a little tougher for the uh, organizations and we don't talk about that a lot because we're, you know, like you, we have three you know, um, HVAC plumbing and electrical in one building. So we have the benefit of the opportunity to turn one call into two or three, whereas businesses that are just plumbing or electrical or HVAC don't really have that opportunity, but maybe we should go into it a little bit. And I think we were just having a conversation and you were saying like, I want to say at the time it was like electrical was really busy and, and your HVAC was really slow. And I'm like, how can one be really slow when the other two have calls, you know, like, but it was just something that hadn't occurred to you. Yeah. It's, it's, it's sometimes when you're, when you're, as you know, as business owners, you're hyper-focused on one thing, right? So the thing I, I was really bad at is I focused on the things we were winning at to try and make us better, right? And the kind of like the things we were, were falling apart, I didn't really concentrate on, right? So now I had to just build a focus on concentrating on, you know, bringing everybody up to the same level. Because what happens what is if you have one champion, just like in basketball or any other sport, if you got one really good player, right? And that that player's not going to want to stay around on that team if not the whole team's not winning. And mm-hmm. we built this motto of, you know, win as a team, lose as a team, right? There's not just one person we're going to ride the coattails off in the summer. We're going to build a bunch of machines who achieve their goals. And when they achieve their goals, I, I achieve mine by default. Here, here. I like, uh, I like Tommy's, uh, Tommy Mello's quote there. I have to make my dream big enough to fit everybody else's dream inside of it. <laughs> yeah. Dude, it's yeah, so, it's, so not, good. it's not, it's not, Right. If they, if I can get, if I can get 10 or 15 or 20 guys to achieve their goals, I automatically win by default. Absolutely. So that's what we've been focused on. That's what we've been focused on in the last six months is how can I get, what are your goals? Finding out what your team's goals are. 
how do we incentivize those and how do we, what do I need to do to help you get there? So, I mean, mindset shift is a big part of any business for sure, especially when you are dealing with a job that you're interacting with lots of strangers and homeowners and every single day, like, you know, what you're doing is changing in terms of who you're doing it for. You were a commercial tech by trade. So I'm curious, how did you make the personal transition from the mindset of commercial work into the mindset of, okay, now let's go into the home. You know, did you run calls yourself? Did you get the experience of what that was like to help train your technicians? Or how did you personally make that shift and then carry that through the rest of your company? I did, right? So I felt like I couldn't tell somebody how to do something if I couldn't do it, right? That's what they say. Most of these gurus out here, they, they, they kill me sometimes is, Right. They couldn't do so they teach, right? <laughs> yeah. So before. And John I, loves I would, to call them out on yeah, Facebook. Yeah. Loves it. <laughs> Nothing makes him happy. I don't. I just don't understand. I just you know, I see I see all these people getting preyed upon, right? It's tough being a business owner. I, I I see people grasping at straws, right? And then I see people just swooping in and charging them an insane amount of money, right? To to magically, they're going to give them the magic ticket when there's there's no magic ticket. Everything's being regurgitated nowadays. There's nothing new, right? Just you can just do the things that people have already done. You can either try and do them as good as some of these, you know, heavy hitters, or just make it your own. But the structure is still the same. So when you were taking that, uh, you know, that journey yourself, and you were starting to run those calls, like what, what, what? Um what did you come up against where you said, whoa, that wasn't what I expected it to be, or wow, I'm going to have to change how I think about it the next time I run into this? What were some of those things, and then how did you begin teaching that? So I noticed, right, uh, when I was running the calls, if I didn't paint a very good picture, everybody gave me price objections. Right? So if, if the picture, you always see those memes on Facebook where somebody could have done it cheaper and they have like the Picasso and then something that's scribbled on a piece of paper. Yeah. Right? So <laughs> you see, everybody's seen those memes. So I kind of, I kind of put it, I said, man, every time I paint a great picture, right? And I walk the customer through this and I, and I, and I tell them exactly what's going to happen and all the things we're going to do. Right? Nobody objects to the price when we get down. But when I, when I kind of rush through the process and, I don't close those doors before I sit at the table. It's a battle. The first thing out of their mouth is, wow, that was, that's more than I expected. Or that's, you know, I still get those calls every now and then. And I love, I love taking them now. But, um, but yeah, it was a struggle. I had to learn a whole new process. And what, what does it look like? Or, or I guess for our listening audience, what does it sound like to paint a picture where somebody is finally tracking with you? So, like, if if we're going to replace the thousands on an electrician, right? I talked to him. I talked to him about the Brooktacular treatment. That's what we call, you the know, Brooktacular. <laughs> the Brooktacular treatment, right? We're going to, Mrs. Jones. We're going to roll out the red carpet for you, and that's where I start at the door, right? We're going to roll out the red carpet there. We're going to put some runners down, and the the, the stuff I get from Shubi is actually red, right? So, um, we're going to put some runners down. We're going to, you know. Hang some. We're going to put some drop cloth down. We're going. To, what we're going to do is we're going to take all these wires out. But before we take them out, we're going to label them so we know exactly where they came out at. We're going to take your panel off the wall. We're going to clean this up. I'm going to pull the staples out, put it back in. Right. I'm going to make it look a little bit neater. Put a new panel up here, and then you have a picture of a panel that you've done that looks pristine. And I and like um, one of my electricians does a really good job at this. He'll put the panel 
in front of it, right? So that we did and said, this is what your panel is going to look like when you're done. And this is all the steps that it takes to do that. We're going to run the cold water bond across here. We're going to do that every step by step of what the installation looks like. And then, then I say, sometimes I'll say, how much do you think something like that costs? Right. If you, and that kind of gives you, right. A grade of how you did. Cause if they said $2,000, then you did a horrible job painting right. the picture. Yeah. But if they say, sometimes they'll say, you know, three or $4,000 more. And then, you know, you did a great job of painting the picture. And then he was like, well, not that much, Mr. Jones. We can get this all done for, you know, 8,500 bucks. And then you'll, you'll, you'll see the transition and the, you know, them take a deep breath and be like, wow, I thought that would be more money. I love that. And, and it, what it does is, like you said, it gives you kind of that pre-grade, right? Before you actually do the business itself, before you actually start the job, you've already determined in your mind or and in the client's mind what the value is of what you're about to do. Now, I'm curious, John, you know, when somebody gets that, oh, I don't know, maybe 1500 bucks, how do you recover from that? So I, I'd say, unfortunately, right, let me go over the things, right? So or I, it doesn't say 1500 bucks. People usually say, oh, but the materials are only 900 bucks. We've all heard that one before, right? And the materials are this. That's 90% of the pushback. Is this. Well, but the materials only cost $900. And then I go into my three-step rebuttal process that I posted on Brian yesterday. As I go to the three things that make up a price, right? I said, and only two things is I can control. Right. Then I asked them about the service. Right. And I always asked them how the ladies on the phone did, how they did that. Right. How did I do today? Well, great. I like this. I like that. I like this. Great. Well, here's the three things that make up a price. One is materials. I can't really control that. Remember I said I can only control two of them. So we'll throw that out. Everybody pays about the same for materials. The second thing would be labor costs. Tell me, wow, how much do I pay our guys and how great the benefits are? Right. 401k and I'll go through and list all the benefits and then of course customer satisfaction and then I'll go through all the stuff that they mentioned that they loved and then I asked them a simple question I said if you were me and a business owner which one would you take away from oh that's a <laughs> that's a that's a cutting question right there <laughs> right that's what I, I just asked I said to make the price cheaper I can only take away from one of two things which one would you take away right and yeah, for, I've for never the, had anybody say, take away from themselves and customer satisfaction or take away from the guys. Now I want you to pay your guys less so my price can be cheaper. I mean, who's going to say that? Nate Menick would say that. <laughs> Screw <laughs> you guys. John, uh, John actually posted this rebuttal to an objection posted in the Waste No Day uh, Facebook group yesterday. And if this is what, if this is what you do and you're, you're in this world and we're going to try to, we don't do a lot of posting in there, I don't feel like, but we're going to try to get some traction in there with this kind of thing just to help. Like for me, it would it would be great, especially when I was in a truck, man, if I could be part of a group like that Facebook group and just open it up and see some objections being overcome and stuff like that. So if you're not in there, you want to be part of it, you know, find it on Facebook, find me on Facebook, find John Winman on Facebook, he'll get you in, right, buddy? You know a guy, right? I know a guy. I know a guy. I love that's uh, that's a simple way of setting it up, John. And you know, after you kind of present that question, do do a lot of people sort of you know shrug their shoulders and be like, okay, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Let's go with it. Or, or do you find that a lot of people are like, well, I guess th 
you know, we just disagree here and I'm going to look for somebody else. And, and, and that's fine. So 99% of the time I can close it with those, you know, that three, that three step process, right? If, if I don't close it, they're still raving about it. Well, you're, you're doing something right. I see your online reviews are great, right? You guys are very professional. I guess, I guess, you know, I think all we're trying to do is, you know, support families and make an ethical profit. And this is what we have to charge, unfortunately, these days to be able to do that. And they, they understand completely. We don't win every job, right? They, they get it. They understand. But I've had people say, well, if I had it, I'd go with you. I just don't have it. I said, well, I understand. If there's anything we can do to help you in the future, you know, please keep us in mind. And what a great win for you as a company. Reputation is certainly a large part of the battle. And even if they're not going with you now, the opportunity to go with you later is just as good. Yeah. If they're ever in a bind, they said, well, I know there's a company that's going to be, you know, exactly what we need when we need it. Who knows? People's situations change every day. For sure. And and that's something that, you know, we want to cover here as we step into another section and that, and that is the changes that are coming. So, I mean, you started your business in, in COVID, you experienced phenomenal price increases on materials. You said, you know, that's one of the things you can't control, uh, but it is one of the things you have to pay attention to. Uh, to make sure that you're priced right. You alluded to the fact that that's something that you're even ongoingly looking at, making sure that you're priced right. So when it comes to changes and the things that you're dealing with right now, what are some of the headwinds that you're bumping up against and saying like, this is what I'm, this is what I'm working on right now to accommodate change in the business, in the environment and in the trades in general. So as the prices get higher, like I said, we can't control material prices. We're going to have to find a way to get better at everything else to combat that. Right. So the only way, to be able to increase our prices and people still be happy with us is increase the level of service, right? The experience of the service call and stuff like that. So right now I'm trying to manage, we build our budgets off sold days and sold hours and not, you know, total revenue to, to make sure that we're having enough money to be able to pay for overhead and make an ethical profit. Can so you, I'm barely tracking that. Okay. Can you define that for us? So those two terms that you use, sold days and sold revenue or uh, sold hours. Sold hours, yeah. What, mm-hmm. what, what does that so, mean? So on our service side, everything is built on, you know, task time, right? You put in a GFI 15 minutes or 12 minutes or whatever you build your task time at. So I know my billable efficiency can range anywhere from 30 to 40% on the service side. So if you take eight hours a day, because that's how many days the guys is normally out there, I need to collect between, you know, 2.5 and 3.5 sold hours a day to hit budget, right? I don't care about the material cost because I'm, I'm, I'm putting margin on top of that. I care about how much task time that I sold every day, right? Because that's what drives, you know, cash flow. So if I know I'm, every guy knows that they have to hit three hours a day in task time, that's the goal for today. And then sold days is stuff like installs. So I need a certain amount of installs. That efficiency is built in between 60 and 70%. I know I need this many installs per month, right? And I need to capture that amount on every job and every install to be able to pay the bills and make a profit. The material cost fluctuates. So when people like Brian asked me earlier, he said, what's your end goal budget? What's your revenue budget for this year? And I was like, I don't know what it's going to end up being. I just don't know how many sold days and how many sold hours I need to be able to get to, you know, an ethical profit percentage. So 
ethical being forty percent or what's <laughs> <laughs> I mean ethical is anywhere between, you know, eighteen and twenty five percent, right? All right, cool. Twenty five. So, we got a cap at twenty five then, buddy. I didn't know that was the it, limit. I don't know. I mean, if we get to twenty-seven. John's to gonna think yacht. we're unethical, but we were pushing. No, I'm not out here trying to buy yachts and stuff. I'm just trying to, you know, Dang provide it. a family. I can't buy know, a yacht either. <laughs> John, you're so judgmental, bro. I am. I am. So, but no, that's that's the way I look at the budget because revenue looks great when you go out there and you sell, you know, ten inverter systems next week. Right, your top line number looks great, but then it gives you a kind of a soul, uh, like a a full sense of you know security because you don't know how much you made on that. But if you know your sole day was dialed in, and all your expenses are in there, and your profit was built into there, if you got those days thirteen times in a row, it doesn't matter if I sell a inverter system or you know an ML seventeen that's base model. My sole day is captured. I know I'm going to be able to keep the doors open. Now, John, that's an intriguing way of looking at business. And, you know, there's all different ways. Some people do it by gross margins. Some people do it, you know, through other means. But when it comes down to the tech in the field, when it comes down to them, like how have you helped, or, or let me ask you, have you helped your team understand their billable hours versus efficiency and effectiveness rates and all these things. Like, is that something that you're training for them to understand? Like, Hey, you know, this job makes sense if, and when, but this one doesn't, are you working that model down to the field? Well, yeah, we are. Uh, we have a daily goal and we have a weekly goal. And usually we have a Monday morning meeting. We go over all the goals. Usually if you're not on pace, um, if you're not on pace by Wednesday, there's a Thursday there's a Thursday meeting that we can kind of refresh to go over some stuff like that, right? So everybody knows the goal. If you hit the goal from the previous week, I usually buy lunch that Monday. So everybody who hits the goal, I buy lunch for and We go over and we celebrate, right? So that was the biggest thing I changed this year is, is good things and bad things snowball at the same rate, right? So the call volume was down. When call volume is down, the team gets kind of down on their luck, right? Oh, I don't have a call. How am I supposed to hit the goal without, a, you know, the opportunities on the board? So that can snowball real quick. So I started throwing up. Brian and I had a conversation. I started throwing up little wins, things that I know people could, you know, that were easy to hit, right? I'm going to throw out a little win because winning, like losing, snowballs just as fast. So we were able to put in some little wins into place, and that snowball into – more people winning and snowball to everybody winning because as a team, only one person can't win or it's no fun. So it's when as a team loses the team. Yeah. And this is where the, this is where like the crossover leads things comes in. You know, if you have, if you have say an HVAC company, an electrical company, if you're, you're, you know, it's middle of summer, middle of winter and your HVAC company's busting at the seams on the schedule and your electrical company is slow give it to your CSR team and say, or, you know, your CSR or however many people you have and say, you know, give, you could pay Google or you could pay your own team and give it to your CSRs and say $10, $20 extra, whatever for every call on the HVAC schedule that you can call and convince to let us come and do a complimentary uh, electrical maintenance today. So now those little wins transfer over to your CSR team, to your dispatchers, tell the team as well, the the techs and the HVAC that, 
hey, we'll give you guys this or do that for you for every call you can get for your for our electrical uh, brothers and sisters today. And then everybody, like you said, these little wins just start adding up, and the culture is, you know, it gets it gets thriving and and excite excite exciting. And everybody feels like they're hitting little wins because one, I'm getting a little bit of extra pay and you know, that might be an extra half hour of pay for a CSR just booking one. And then we'll have people here who book 20 in a day or uh, on, and on top of that, they know that they're getting an electrician work who doesn't have something to do today. So maybe it's sweeping the shop or sitting at home wanting to go make money. So it's, there's wins all over the place if you're looking hard enough. Well, you kind of opened my eyes that day, right? Because I called you and you're, I was like, oh, that's not kind of slow. We were just having a casual, uh, casual conversation. And I went back and looked at the numbers after we had that conversation. And I was like, okay, the average cost per click on PPC right now is $35, right? So the average, people shoot for 10 to 12%, 15% if they're great, 20% if they're even better of conversion. So how many clicks, how many times are you going to spend $35 on a click before somebody actually calls you? I was looking at like $164. And what you had said was, is why are you willing to pay a giant like Google $164, but you wouldn't pay, but you're not willing to pay your CSR $164 to get you that lead? And that was the mindset shift for me was to be able to go do that. Yeah. And it doesn't, it just feel better, man. Like... <laughs> Screw Google. Now delete that, Nate, because I don't want them shutting our stuff down. All right, you can let that hit the air. But when you can pay, you know, Chris or or uh, Maribel in in the uh, CSR room extra money to do to to get your people work with the resources you have available, and that's not just there. Like if we're if we're we got a bunch of people sitting, call old clients, call clients we've been to before, call estimates that we we uh, went out and ran and didn't sell call jobs where we were out for a maintenance and gave uh gave recommendations for work and didn't get it like just here csr here's the opportunity to make more money the phones aren't ringing anyway and you're paying them to be there so if you can get one of these calls to book we'll give you x percentage of it if you can you know close one of these sales whatever like throw everything at the wall never let people just sit no, it's it's crazy. We got, I mean, we're our market's getting flooded with private equity right now. So, I mean, the cost per click on PPC is going through the absolute roof right now. Everybody's call volumes down in the area. So, what are they doing? They're throwing money and grasping at straws, right? And they're throwing money to these big corporations that really don't care about us. They throw it at your people and just put boots on the ground, right? So, that's, absolutely, that's the one change that's helped us this year. Yes, and, and it's not just the call aspect or the CSR aspect of it. I mean, there's a lot to be said about having a technician in your home saying, you know, hey, John, you know, I know I'm here to take care of your electrical today, but while I was down in the basement, I noticed that there was some uh, some drips from your water heater. Did you know that we also have a sister company or sister technicians or plumbers back at my company that will provide you with the exact same red carpet service as I have done for you today? Uh, but just for your plumbing system, is that something that you might be interested in having somebody come out and take a look for you? It, it's no cost just to have somebody come out and evaluate and you can decide what you want to do from there. But is that something I could set up for you right now? Exactly. And that and that's the problem. We see so many things in these groups of, oh, you must be ripping them off. It's just asking them a question, right? If I notice anything, <laughs> right? If, uh, I, no if I notice anything... I just, I, I don't understand. If I notice something as an expert, 
do you want me to bring it to your attention? Right? What would you like me to do? I like that. It, it, I don't like the yes or no. What would you like me to do? Right? Is is what I like better? Right? So if I notice anything that's not up to manufacturer specs or you know not up to the current code, what would you like me to do? Would you like me to bring it to your attention, or would you like me to keep it to myself? <laughs> Right. And that's this, it. There, there's so many good, good avenues of pursuing that. And obviously I'm sure you're employing those as you've been able to navigate from assumingly none of your existing commercial customers transitioned into residential ones. So you've gone from effectively $0 of revenue to projected 6 million this year in just under three years. And so you have to be capitalizing off the backs of your existing clientele. And that's not a, that's not a politically correct way of saying that, but you have to be able to allow for the homeowner to experience the goodness of what you do in more than just one stream, because that's what they want. Do you know the level of frustration that homeowners have in finding a qualified trades professional in the field that they need at the time of service? It's so difficult and frustrating. And people have these horror stories of how, you know, it was Friday night, the day before their grandma was coming over for a special evening and everything. And like they're calling around trying to find somebody and they finally get a hold and it's just a disaster. Why let somebody live through that? If you can have the opportunity to say, you know what, the next time that happens, call us, we'll take care of you. And, and the problem is, is the level of communication you're able to betray people. You automatically assume the problem with some of these things is you automatically assume, right? People know, right? Oh, I mean, how could they not? I got commercials running. How do they not know we have other traits, right? You already assume that people know the things that are wrong with their house and, you know, that you do other services. All you're doing is letting them know. And that's that effective communication, right? And, and, and spelling it out for them and painting that picture helps them understand that. I can tell you a funny story about my kids, right? I say, hey, clean the kitchen. They clean the kitchen. They go on. They'd be done. What I thought clean the kitchen meant and what they thought clean the kitchen meant are two different things, right? So I thought they assumed they would know how to clean the kitchen because they'd seen me do it before, but they didn't. I had to tell them exactly what I meant but when I said clean the kitchen. And the same thing in the house, right? They don't know unless you tell them. Yeah, I may have had this conversation before. I understand that the counter is not a dish, but when I say do the <laughs> dishes, I mean clean the counter. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it, exactly. You're so right about that, John. And it's one thing in the trades, and I, I don't. It's hard for me, you know, to really conceptualize this because I've been in it for a while. But it's one thing in the trades that I think we we overlook the fact that what is done on a day to day basis is so common to the technician, but so foreign to the homeowner, and like it, it gets missed, it gets forgotten, it gets just ignored, even to the degree that you know you walk in there and you start throwing around jargon terms and all kinds of like, you know, this, that, and whatever. And the homeowner is still back on the fact that why is my pipe dripping? Or the homeowner is back on the fact, like trying to understand 10% of what you just said. I mean, goodness, it's hard enough to communicate to another tradesperson about what you're talking about because of all the dynamics that go into what the trades is. Now try communicating to somebody who has no idea what a pipe wrench is or what a GFCI stands for and expect to get anything besides confusion. And now you're saying, oh, by the way, you're also supposed to know that we do this for two other trades. It's craziness. And it's a great reminder to all of us in the trades that we need to bring it back to the homeowner and say, listen, a lot of homeowners are not aware. Were you aware? Did you know? Would you like to understand? 
and then go into it from there. Not in a not in a talk down way, but in a consultative, let me help you help yourself way. I, I know very few companies who who uh, are as vocal with their clients about the fact that they have three businesses as we are. Like they hear it on the phone, they hear it from the technician, they may very well hear it on the phone again after the call, uh, online, mailers, whatever. Just today, had a tech come in and say uh, they saw a brand new water heater in a in a HVAC client of ours house where they've been out many times, and they said that's not one of ours, is it? Oh, oh, you guys do water heaters? Ugh. No, no, but Benjamin Franklin Plumbing does. Our sister company here. Oh, I didn't know you guys were affiliated with them. I would have totally used them oh. today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, how many times you been out there? Couple. Oh, and you never brought it up, huh? How come you didn't notice the water heater was old? Oh, very frustrating. That's what we're implementing a process of, you know, age of equipment. We have tags and there's age of equipment. I'm like, hey, look, we don't want this failing on Mrs. Jones. I just want to bring it to attention. Your water heater is like 14 years old and we have a tag in our system. So we know how old it is. Right. So, and that's the thing is going back to painting the picture. They, they think it's going to be an easy job. Oh, you hear it on the phone. Oh, it's just going to be a simple job. I just need you to do this. Yeah, right 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 and then you go out and you paint the picture and they're like wow i didn't know it was going to take all that right and if you don't paint the picture they got in their head and why that majority of your price objection happened is because they think it's an easy job you didn't explain the job to them and then you're presenting them with a price that you think is fair and they think is outrageous because you didn't explain the whole project you're so true john i mean it's like you know <laughs> I'm not bringing out the Play-Doh here and I'm just able to kind of mold it to however I want. There's actual work that needs to get done here, a lot of which I can't even see right now until I start opening things up and then we actually have to deal with the problem. <laughs> yeah, it happens, right? So we're just trying to get better at that every day. I mean, it's not like we have it figured out. We don't have it figured out. We're, we're a cluster at times, but we're trying really hard to pull it together. So John, I know you're a busy guy and there's a lot of things you got going on. Obviously you have a growing company and we're running short on time here. So as we bring things in for a landing, you know, some of the things that, uh, that are, are standing out there in the trades right now is what are, what are people doing to keep young blood, young, fresh people coming into the trades and training them up? How have you found success, especially because I'm guessing you didn't have a lot of transition from your commercial employees into the residential world. How have you found success in getting dynamic people in front of homeowners? Because like you said, they tend to be different mindsets, different persons, different skills and everything from commercial to residential. So what have you done to be successful in recruiting? I, well, if, if your culture is good enough, your guys will tell everybody, right? One, if they love where they're going every day, I mean, you can sit at a, a restaurant or a bar or go to a party and, you know, 50% of the people are going to complain about where they work, Right. And that, the, oh, this sucks here, there sucks there, right? So it's, it's one, focusing on them and making them their biggest recruiting tool, right? So if they're like, oh, yeah, I'm an electrician, I love my job, I'm an HVAC tech, and it, this is the best, you know, company I've ever worked for, people are like, they don't hear that every day, right? They always hear, oh, my job sucks, so I had to, you know, I was up till 9 o'clock fixing an AC condition, I mean, an AC unit, right? It, it, this, this blows, but it's it's doing that and getting people excited and looking for the right personality. I kind of came up with this gut thing is if it bothers me, 
I know everybody's answered the phone and you looked at the phone and be like, oh, this person's calling again, right? If that's if you're not happy to pick up the phone and talk to the person, then is that really the right person for your team? Ooh, don't ask that to Brian about me. That that might go sideways. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure we all we all go through it. We have friends that way. We have you know we have team members that are that way. Oh well, my goodness. Yeah, but we have like in a place like this, and this is a big organization. Nate's an a intro introvert. Uh, but we have extroverts on the leadership team who do, you know, a lot more of the communicating. Nate does all the technical boring stuff. Right. Boring stuff. Well, yes. You got to have people who are really good at, you know, things that you aren't good at. And that's something I have to learn, right? You can't, you can't be good at everything, right? Everybody's got a superpower and just focus on your superpower. You don't want your, you know, home run hitter fielding ground balls all, all three seasons because then he's going to hate his wife. Yeah, you don't want to take you don't want to teach Babe Ruth to pitch, or yeah, we don't want to teach him to pitch or play second. No, we just want him hitting home runs. <laughs> well, that's definitely something that you seem to be doing, John. Before we wrap up here, if people are interested in learning more about you, uh, your company, or some of the advice that you've given today, where's a great way to reach out to you? You can go to winbrook.com. Where I mean, you'll you'll know it's exactly me. You'll see me and my pretty wife on the on the front of the website and uh, you can just shoot us an email and I'll respond to it. I get all of those to my phone. Awesome. Hey, we appreciate that. You, you don't know this yet, but, but our intro contain intro to this episode contains a, uh, a little snippet of one of your commercials. Cause you know how I feel about the commercial. I think they're just magic. So it's always, uh, or at least all <laughs> of them that I've seen, they're always John and Brooke and they do them together. And it's very, it's very relational. You know, it's like very, kind of romantic, but just they're loving on each other and pick at each other a little bit, but it's like really uh, wholesome and just, a, it, it's a good vibe. And I picture the exact clients you want calling in off of those commercials, which is just, it's magic. And, and don't get me wrong. She was, she is probably one of the biggest reasons why we are here where we are, right? She's, she's ride or die. She does what it takes, right? There's, there's been plenty of sleepless nights and almost a single mom with four kids being able to hold down the fort while, you know, she, she lets me go chase our dreams. And it's, it's been a huge benefit to have her, you know, by my side being my ride or die. I love that. And that's a great place to leave it. John always appreciate a man who appreciates uh, a good woman beside him. And we're fan We're uh, big fans of that. We're big fans of you, man, and what you're doing in the industry. Thanks so much for sharing with us today. We hope uh, that you do hit that goal and exceed it this year. And of course, we'll be cheering you on along the way. Yeah, man, it's always great to talk to you. I'm I'm looking forward to doing this episode again uh, very soon. I'd love to have you as a regular on the on the show. So we're gonna do we're gonna do it again as soon as we hit ten. All right, at ten mil, we'll do it again. He's he's uh, nervous about that ten mil, man. Okay, so what are you doing in February of next year? Yeah, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing in February? I'm building I'm building an awesome team with a carnival process so we can scale this thing. There you go, buddy. That's great. Thanks so much, John. We appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Hey, that's a wrap for this podcast. We hope that you enjoyed our conversation with John Wenman. What a great guy and a lot of great things that he is doing there. And even the content that we talked about is uh, for those of you who are in multi-branded or multi-trade uh, shops, there's a lot of opportunity that he talked about there 
in creating calls where there is none or where you're struggling in the marketing side of things uh, from your existing clientele. And I thought that was really a highlight of what we discussed in terms of what you can do if you have the mindset and the, the out of the box type thinking of generating that opportunity, both on the phones and in the home. And it's obvious that what John is doing is working well for him as he continues to grow. And like I said, we're going to be cheering him on and hope to hear from him soon with his successes. We want to leave you now with our weekly challenge, which is to continue thinking outside of the box to make the most of yourself and to choose to wake up every single morning and waste no day.